Hi, and welcome to the Fort Swing Orchestra Podcast. I'm your conductor, Barry Stone, and every other week or so, I bring you the latest PSO piece, along with a selection of works from the past. Today in the pod, we'll be joined by Mark Menjivar, who activated and processed a selection of field-recorded bird sounds for PSO's live performance a couple weeks ago at the James Terrell Sky Space located on UT campus. Fort Swing Orchestra is an art project that pairs music recorded outside with images made on site, performed and recorded at home and away, solo and with others. Our orchestra is comprised of birds, guitars, artists, poets, and passing cars that spontaneously create ephemeral symphonic chance-inspired compositions. The original site and hub for all things PSO can be found at portswingorchestra.org. Well, we did it. Paul and I elaborated and extended the Lost Pine suite of music I wrote to accompany a book and exhibition of photographs of the same name, from a 20-minute piece into an hour-long meditation. Paul added so much melody and depth to the piece, and I'm super grateful for all his amazing contributions to the project. We took some video, and I hope to be able to share some of that with you in the weeks to come. But before we get into it, please support PSO by signing up and maybe contributing to the PSO Substack at portsuiteorchestra.substack.com. You can see the images, titles, and dates that accompany these pieces uh, that are featured on the podcast on our music only, that means no talking for me, YouTube stream at youtube.com slash at portswingorchestra. Or you can go to the link on portswingorchestra.org where you can find all the original stuff on the PSO site and links to all things PSO. Other ways you can support PSOs to rate this podcast with five stars or how many stars um, you have in your service. Uh, subscribe. Visit us on Bandcamp. Get some merch. Listen to us over and over on Spotify. Just leave it on uh, forever. Um, you can follow us on Instagram or tell your best friends, your family members, your dogs, cats, all those people. Love PSO. So here's my interview with Mark. So I'm really excited to have Mark Menjivar join us on the Port Swing Orchestra podcast. Mark is a friend, a colleague at Texas State, and a PSO collaborator, and a great artist based out of San Antonio. Mark has had a long career of socially engaged projects that deal with a wide variety of complex issues, including but not limited to uh, ideas of migration, sound ecologies, the death penalty, and much, much more. Um, we brought him in, or I brought him in today, to talk about his latest collaboration with PSO, which was a live performance at the James Terrell Sky Space on UT campus on Sunday, October 15th, where he joined Paul Stottinger and I um, in the space during the sunset sequence um, um, in the Landmarks UT um, public art space that is the James Terrell Sky Space, which is this room that has an oculus um, or an opening to the sky and the sun sets. You can watch the sky change, but all the while there is a kind of uh, sequence of light that changes our perception of what that sky looks like, both sort of in depth and in all kinds of phenomenological ways. PSO usually is improvised and musical field recordings that invites the sounds of all kinds of things, air conditioners and cars and stuff, but often bird sounds. And one thing that's really got me, one person who's largely responsible for me really being interested in bird sounds 
is Mark Menjivar because he's done a lot of work with bird song and bird sounds. Um, and he joined us and I want to bring him on here and tell us about what, what you brought to the, uh, the performance um, on Sunday. Yeah, thanks, Barry. It was uh, such a joy to be with you. And I just have always been so grateful, um, not just for your art practice, but also for just your generosity, um, just in the community and with individuals. So it has been super fun to get to work with you on this. So yeah, uh, Sunday, what was there? Um, it was a lot of uh, bird song, but also some bird sounds that I have been um, using from the Texas Bird Sound Library. And the Texas Bird Sound Library was started in the early 80s by a guy named Dr. Moldenhauer, who was an old ornithologist at Sam Houston uh, State University located in Huntsville. And I came across them when I was the artist in resident with the MFA program there and kind of stumbled across them. Uh, one person mentioned that he thought that there may be this collection of of field recordings. I found them essentially in a closet and they had been taken care of, but really unused for the past 30 years. There's a long history that we could do like almost a whole hour on with that. But really now what I've been trying to do is to activate that library. I've really been interested in the potential of bird sounds for um, healing and thinking about community trauma. As you may know, you mentioned earlier, right? That I work on a lot of issues around capital punishment. Huntsville um, literally found these things within just a couple minutes walk of, uh, you know, the, the main prison there. And so, yeah, so I've been doing all kinds of different projects around around this, trying to get them out into the world, the recordings, that is. Yeah, I want to get into that sort of more conceptual framework, too. Uh, but before that, I want to kind of back up and sit, sort of set the stage what, you know, you were doing. You were sitting there. We had there's two guitars and then... Uh, Mark, you were sitting there with like this big rectangle of electronics um, yeah. on your on your uh, on your lap. Um, and then that was hooked up to a little speaker. Um, and that's how the the sort of the, the sounds uh, got out, if you will. And then tell us about that sort of process and like what. So what what were you doing? Yeah. Definitely. So what I had that the rectangle, I love calling it that. I think I'm going to start using that. <laughs> was actually uh, it's a modular synthesis. And so a modular synthesizer is, um, or modular synthesizer, but what it is, it's a collection of modules that each person gets to kind of put together and build their own instrument. And for that um, particular night, I had it loaded up with a bunch of uh, samplers uh, that had uh, recordings from the library on there. And then I was, you know, playing around um, with um, slowing them down, speeding them up. I was putting them through uh, some other processing of delay and reverb and stuff like that. And that's what you were hearing. And some of those, the the recordings that you hear, they range. One of them is a field recording from the Llano River at dawn. Uh, another one was from the um, uh, a cemetery inside of Huntsville where incarcerated individuals are buried when their families can't claim them. You had the Belted Kingfisher, a Carolina Wren, Purple Martins popping in and out, Mockingbirds. And then also as a way, this was kind of one of the first times of kind of really activating these in public spaces outside of Huntsville. And so kind of to honor that, I had the very first recording from the Texas Bird Sound Library, which is a uh, field recording from Redbird Lane, um, a spot in Huntsville where the founder lived, Dr. Moldenhauer. Nice. I mean, it seems like there should be like a 
a map of all these, you know, of, of all these sounds. Um, we're on on the PSO site, you know, PSO number 219 is the intro uh, that we played, which starts off with this sort of beautiful, I don't know, a cacophony, but a kind of a, a very sort of uh, active sound of birds. And which, what what was the sample uh, there? What, which, which one of those? Yeah. So that that was a field recording at the Llano River made about a year ago uh, at dawn. And one of the beautiful things I think about the Texas Bird Sound Library is that while it exists as an archive, it's still also an open invitation to the public to continue to add to the library. And so I have taken some of those first steps to 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 contribute recordings to it to keep it going on. So that was actually a field recording that I made. And is of all the field recordings that we heard that that evening is the only one that has been made in the past what twenty years or so, uh, wow. thirty years. So yeah, nice. That's a nice return. I think that's awesome. Um, that that's a that's a beautiful way to 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 begin yeah. it. And then so um, can you talk about a little bit just uh, some of the kind of um, the sort of conceptual ideas about. Um, well, one one thing maybe we can start off with it is called the Texas Bird Sound Library, not song. Uh, oftentimes, we think about the things we hear uh, birds vocalizing uh, as songs, but it's very important that it's uh, the Texas Bird Song Library. Uh, so, I see, I messed up. <laughs> Texas Texas Bird Sound Library. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So Dr. Mulderhatter was actually pretty passionate about this, that, you know, not all birds sing. Um, there's some birds, you know, that just make sounds. I mean, for example, the Delta Kingfisher, there's makes this like beautiful rattling noise that you can hear uh, from very, very far away. And it is anything but a, a song, you know. And so he really wanted to open that up. And people would often just refer to it as bird song. And he would kind of push back a little bit on that, right? And, and then switch it to the sound. Dr. Mulder not our, Dr. Moldenhauer has since passed, but I've met people in Huntsville who knew him. And they, one of the things that they shared pretty quickly was his passion around this distinction between sound and song. Um, there is a lot of bird song in there, but song is often used during you know uh, mating season and during migratory bird season. And I will just also note that playing those, the, the sounds that we played were not during migration, right? Even though we were playing them outside, but that was something that we thought deeply about as well as how can we responsibly put bird sound out into the world? Right. That That's definitely something thinking about, like slowing it down, you know, doing some kind of alteration that like way this. that we're not, we're not screwing with the birds' uh, brains, right? Because um, we were playing in a, a sort of outside space, although it was kind of enclosed, but... It, maybe some birds uh, could could hear that. I think it's interesting to think about that in terms of like, you know, a Cajun approach, you know, John Cage approach to um, sound and song and composition. Like, I mean, I, I, might, I can imagine John Cage maybe pushing back and saying, well, I think that those guttural sounds that, you know, uh, these birds are making and perhaps not associated with mating could be considered at least compositions, if not, you know, traditional songs. So I wonder, you know, in, in terms of like what we do in, in Portswing Orchestra is thinking about that kind of larger idea of incorporating sort of chance operation and, and all kinds of different sounds, expanding the repertoire, if you will, of what we consider musical. Oh, 100%. And I mean, John Cage actually did a 
you know, an eight channel uh, performance called, you know, Birdcage. It's, it actually started at uh, SUNY Albany. And uh, even inside of that one, he not only had field recordings and recordings of actually caged birds, but he also had a whole track in there of his own mouth mimicking birds, right? And um, and there's a score for it. I actually just tracked it down and got it on interlibrary loan a couple of weeks ago. And so I think John would be so open to this and would argue, right, yes, that all of it is musical, of course. Yeah, I, you know, I just want to mention a couple other projects and some things that, that you've done. I remember um, at the Dew Museum in, uh, in San Antonio, you were an artist in residence there um, and did, did a lot of programming, including making a, a, a beautiful little field guide. Uh, done some birding walks, which is something you've also continued to do with other organizations too. Um, and then also one of the most sort of charming projects that came out of that was having inviting children to draw birdhouses um, in any way that they can imagine. And then yeah. you going back in the studio and uh, interpreting those and actually creating with a, I guess, a, you know, jigsaw or, <laughs> Um, these uh, some of these visions which I think were amazing uh, uh, imaginings of these drawings so can you talk about your larger engagement with the idea I mean there's so many ideas like ideas of migration tell me about how birds sounds um, you know is is really a part of um, your practice definitely yeah I mean I think it's like you know, so I guess over a decade ago, you know, it was really kind of when I became, uh, I'm not going to say infatuated, but I mean, I really am, but really fell in love with birds. And yes, it was about the individual birds, but birding is just a way to pay attention. It's about looking, it's about listening, it's about curiosity and exploring. And the deeper that I went into that, not just by myself, but by inviting other people to do it with me, I began to see links between the act of going out and paying attention to these systems that are all around us all the time being birds, right? But you don't often, you know, tap into that. There was connections to all these different things. It was connections to the land that we're standing on, who was here before and who owns it now? How can we access it? It was being able to talk about migration, right? This natural movement, um, you know, north and south, these push and pull elements that push birds and uh, you know, animals and people uh, from from place to place. And, you know, here in Texas, we live along the Central Flyway, which is one of the most, you know, um, heavily moved routes of, of birds north and south. But also, I mean, this is for for centuries, right, been a, been a migratory path for people and for birds. And so you can't be out in the land and not be talking about these things. It's also a way to talk about ecology and the systems that are around us. There's so many things that come up just through this act of talking about birds, about looking for birds and about listening for birds. And I'm super into that, right? I love it how it kind of sprawls into all these areas, but then just really comes back to the simple act of looking, of listening, and of choosing to go to places that you maybe wouldn't go to. Yeah, you know, it's something I love about the, you know, these sky spaces that James Terrell does, right? He's a kind of a light and space artist. I've been doing it a long time. And he's got, you know, hundreds of these sky spaces um, around the world. Um, I first encountered uh, them in, in New York at, at PS1, um, which has a, it's, it's a sort of more stripped down version, I think, of what he does. But that it, it in the same spirit, it's an invitation, right, to to look and listen and sit for an hour um, yeah. while you stare at this, you know, this frame 
um, yeah. that is that is just that's all it is. It's just laying the frame onto uh, the sky and just watching that happen. It's sort of interesting to think about that is a kind of a metaphor for even art making or thinking or ideas that that's all they are all all that is is placing a frame onto an active sort of sensory experience oh totally now i love it that it's that invitation to slow down right um and that's something you know if you know me you know that i i have you know I love juggling lots of different things. I mean, I'm kind of always holding way too much. And I think that birding really helps to slow me down. And I, in some ways, you know, I came to it through the practice of architectural photography. I mean, what I did for 10 years before I started teaching, right? You sit there and you stand in front of a building literally for hours waiting for the light to get into a right spot or watching a sunset and waiting for that one little moment. And I think that I, um, you know, during those times when I was out in the field doing that, I would bird during, during, you know, those kind of down moments, but also it is about, you know, training yourself to, to slow down and to really give your attention to one thing. And I really see even a, a connection with that practice and the act of going out and looking and listening for birds. Right. It's that kind of flip, right? It's the sort of, again, it's that Cajun flip, you know, it's not listening to a silent composition for four minutes, 33 seconds. It's realizing that all this sort of incidental sounds are a kind of symphony that are playing all the time. And it's really just a shift of, of attention, right? Which is kind of goes into his ideas of, you know, his Buddhist practice and, um, uh, oh, yeah. and, and all those ideas, right? So it's interesting to think about, um, how that is an invitation for us to um, meditate on something it, that's, you know, um, beautiful in itself. But once we put a frame on it, it becomes something, something different, something deeper. Um, and, and at the same time, it's still what it is. Um, yeah. And that, that's a, that's a kind of magic that I think uh, an aesthetic experience um, really um is is uh special yeah and i love you linking it to to 433 right because that's exactly what it is it, is that i mean all of those sounds the creaks the shoes the sniffles the keys jiggling they all exist all the time around us right and what 43 does in many ways is it just draws our attention to it right and it and it recontextualizes it because it's a way to rethink about it and i think this act of going out and looking and listening with people is it's helping them to be aware of that which is already around us right and just beginning to pay attention to that and then people begin to make connections to other things right they start to notice power dynamics in the workplace or systemic issues with our government right because they're beginning to look in different ways um, and and begin to pay attention to that which already exists around us. Absolutely. Not only that, that it has a potential not to be an annoyance, but something that's beautiful and integral, yeah. right? And so in that, we see a potential of change and transformation in the in our everyday experiences that doesn't have to be a special, you know, uh, march or what have you, that we have this ability to change frameworks, to change our attitudes, to change really our relationship with the world. And once we do that, I mean, yeah. many things are possible. Well, that, I think we're gonna leave it there because uh, we have, uh, Mark's a busy person um, and we, we've got to get going. But um, thank you so much for joining, uh, joining in me on the podcast of which will be many more. I think we'll have many more opportunities to chat 
And, um, and in fact, we, um, Mark is going to be taking uh, part in the, the next live event. Port Swing Orchestra is staging um, over six weeks at the beginning of 2024 at CoLab Projects in Austin, Texas. More on that later. But thank you so much, Mark, for uh, joining me. And it's always such a pleasure. Thank you, Barry. Always so good to be with you. So now, without further ado, is PSO number 219, Prelude to Lost Pines, performed and recorded in front of a live audience inside the Color Inside, a sky space by artist James Terrell, located on the campus of the University of Texas at Austin.
After we heard the new prelude piece to Lost Pines, we heard PSO 166 entitled triple, The Triple Double is Yours from January 20th to 2022. And lastly, following that, was PSO 31 from October 16th, 2018, Toddler Breakdown in Festival Town. In my newsletter about the piece, I wrote this piece was recorded from the sidelines of a parade that streamed in front of the porch of chairs worn as backpacks and floppy wide-brimmed hats making their way to the Austin City Limits Music Festival. In the background is a very young music fan who had too much excitement for one day and was loudly protesting walking any further. This piece was featured on a compilation of PSO pieces collected from the first year of PSO, Once Around the Sun. You can hear and purchase those recordings on the Port Swain Orchestra Bandcamp page. Special thanks to Tao and Catherine and the crew at UT Landmarks. PSO was performed as a part of the Songs in the Sky Space program, which has generous underwriting by KMFA, Austin's independent classical radio station. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>